Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and how the tech are ya? So we're continuing to look back on the big tech news stories of 2022 as we round out the year. And of course, y'all already know what this episode covers because I'm sure I titled it in a way that reveals it. But just in case, I thought I would try my hand at a little theater. Now is the winter of our crypto coin made even worse by Sam Bankman-Fried. And all the doubts that lowered upon NFTs now cross the blockchain entire are laid. Now are our wallets but home for moths, our subreddits filled with bros calling hoddle, our stern skeptics doth say, I told ye thus, our dreadful partners asking, where the hell is our money? Okay, my apologies to you and to a certain master Shakespeare, but... Honestly, I doubt I'm ever going to have the opportunity to play Richard III, and so that's the best I will ever hope for. And yes, this episode, we are going to cover some of the big stories that revolved around cryptocurrency in 2022. And there is a lot to go over, from crypto in general declining in value over the year, to some cryptocurrencies making a big, important change in how they operate, to the infamous collapse of the FTX crypto exchange, to related stuff like blockchain and Web3 hype. You don't hear much Web3 hype right now, huh? We'll, we'll talk about why. 
but let's get to it. Now, first up, I think it's important to do a quick refresher on cryptocurrency. It's a term that is used a lot, uh, often without very much explanation as to what goes into cryptocurrency. People just think, oh, it's a digital form of money. And so I think we need to have a little bit of groundwork laid. Now, the whole trend began thanks to a white paper that proposed a blockchain, a shared ledger, and a digital currency called Bitcoin. Now, unlike other currencies, Bitcoin wouldn't be dependent upon a country's government or some central financial institution. It would be a decentralized digital currency. Participants in the system could even earn rewards by helping to verify Bitcoin transactions. So each transaction would join others and they would form a block. And each block would be laid in front of the last block in a chain of blocks, thus the block chain. The values represented within a block would depend upon all the blocks that came before it. Now, this would mean that no one would be able to go back to earlier transactions and alter one of them, you know, like in an effort to say, return some Bitcoins they had they had spent. Let's say that you had five Bitcoins, you spent four of them, and then later on you thought, I need more money. So what if I just go in and, and erase that transaction and magically give myself back the four Bitcoins that I had spent? That way I could double spend the same Bitcoins. Well, if you did that, if you went back into the blockchain and you changed that transaction, if you found a way to do it, that would actually change all the values of the blocks that came after it. And that means everyone would know that you tried to be very, very naughty. Now, there are a few different ways to verify transactions and to award cryptocurrency units. The way Bitcoin does it is called proof of work. Now, we're going to be super high level with this, but in this method, computers in the system are essentially competing against each other in order to solve a math problem, or really, it's about guessing the right number. <laughs> and it should take about 10 minutes to get the right answer on average. But if computers start to take longer to answer it because the problems are really hard, well, the system actually adjusts to make those problems easier to get closer to that 10-minute benchmark. If it starts taking less time, if systems are solving the, the problem earlier, well, then the system makes the problems harder to solve. Now, a downside to this approach is that as the currency increases in value, there's a greater incentive for people to try and earn the cryptocurrency by verifying these transactions. This is called mining. So these people start pouring more money into their computer systems so that they have more computer power to dedicate to this and they get an edge on all the other competitors in the system. If the value keeps going up, this becomes a, an escalating war between the various mining operations. So with Bitcoin, the value at the beginning of 2022 was nearly $48,000 per Bitcoin. And each time you verified a block of transactions, which again was every 10 minutes, you would get 6.25 Bitcoins as a reward if you were the system that got the problem right first. So that would be worth around $300,000 at the beginning of 2022. And 
you would have a chance to do it all over again in just 10 minutes. So if you managed to be the winning computer system for every single block in a, in a single day, you would end up solving around 144 blocks at that point. That would be 900 Bitcoins, which would be worth around $43,200,000 in US dollars at the beginning of January 2022. That's a huge amount of money, right? Now, it would not be likely for you to be able to do that. Chances are other systems would be solving some of these throughout the day. But even if you only netted a few, that's still a huge amount of money. So it was no wonder that there were entire massive networks dedicated to Bitcoin mining. Folks were taking over decommissioned power plants and then firing them back up in order to provide the electricity needed to power these customized mining systems that were designed to beat out all the other competition. Bitcoin mining was creating a strain on power grids. It was actually responsible for more electricity usage than some countries create in an entire year, which is just wild. But that's just the basics, right? That's for the basics for Bitcoin. Uh, we will talk about an alternative to proof of work later on in this episode. But first, let's talk about an early setback that happened for cryptocurrency, sort of. And that would be when Meta, aka Facebook, because that's what it was called when it first came up with this plan, ended up ditching its plans for its own cryptocurrency. So, some backstory. Back in 2019, Facebook, which was not yet known as Meta, because it adopted that name in late 2021, announced that it was developing a cryptocurrency that at that time was called Libra. Now, instantly, governments and regulators around the world started to express concern that such an influential tech company was essentially looking into ways to print its own money. Even some crypto enthusiasts got a little worried, as Facebook's approach didn't really follow that decentralized path that coins like Bitcoin purported to follow. Like, you would have a centralized authority in the form of Facebook, or the association that Facebook would create. Now, Facebook did not intend to be the sole core of Libra. Instead, Facebook created a consortium, an association, the Libra Association, a group of companies that would serve as sort of the custodians of this digital currency. And unlike coins such as Bitcoin, the average person would not be involved in verifying blocks of transactions. You wouldn't have these groups of digital miners building massive computer systems trying to beat each other out to, to verify. Instead, the consortium would handle it. So you had this, again, centralized authority in that sense. Now, Facebook ended up creating a division called Calibra, and it was dedicated to creating digital wallets that Facebook users would be able to link to their Facebook accounts. And other members of the consortium would also be able to make Libra-compatible digital wallets. But Facebook had a bad reputation already in 2019. It would only get worse in 2021, and it hasn't exactly gotten better this year. So this was a company known for not doing enough to keep illegal content off its own platform. Governments, particularly the U.S. government, were understandably concerned that a company that had shown such reluctance or incompetence, take your pick, when dealing with harmful content now wanted to create its own currency. 
There were multiple hearings to hold Facebook accountable to following laws and creating safety measures that financial institutions have to have, right? So they're essentially saying, hey, we require all the official currency institutions in this country to follow these rules. You will be expected to do the same. So now we have to start making sure that you have the systems in place to do that. Now, toward the end of 2020, Libra got a name change. It changed to DM, uh, partly to distance itself from Libra because Facebook's reputation was getting uglier by the day. Facebook would follow this same strategy in late 2021. That's when it changed its corporate name to Meta. And then by early 2022, the project was pretty much dead in the water. There were a lot of internal discussions and disagreements with the direction of the currency company after company dropped out of the Libra Association and the opposing regulation authorities really had killed all momentum. So without fanfare, Facebook dissolved the Libra Association and it sold off the IP connected to Libra slash DM for about $180 million and Facebook's attempt at making a cryptocurrency would fade into history. All right, now let's talk about Bitcoin's declining value. So back in 2021, Bitcoin hit some truly monumental highs. It flirted with nearly $70,000 per Bitcoin at one point. But by late January 2022, it had dipped into the $35,000 territory. So it had lost nearly half its value in about half a year. Now, the coin rallied a bit in the spring of 2022, early in the spring, but by April, things started to slope downhill and the currency gradually followed the performance of the stock market. Now, I have long maintained that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies aren't really currencies. They're really more like commodities or investments. At least that's how most people treat them. So it isn't a big surprise that as people started to lose faith in the stock market and that that started to suffer, that we saw something similar happen in the cryptocurrency world. Now, today, the value of Bitcoin is around $16,800 as I record this. That's still a lot of money. You know, it still means that if you mined a block on the Bitcoin blockchain, you would be awarded the equivalent of $105,000 worth of Bitcoin. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's a lot of money. But it is not the massive amount that you could make back when Bitcoin was at its height in 2021, let alone at early 2022. And that has meant that mining operations have really scaled back because the money coming in from mining has declined, but the cost of operations hasn't, right? So as the money you bring in decreases, but your costs stay the same, it gets harder and harder to cover those costs. And eventually you get to a point where it could actually cost you more money to run your computer systems than you will earn out of mining, even if you are really successful. So for the moment, the runaway race to have the biggest, most powerful computer network on the blockchain has taken a little break. You would actually lose your shirt if you tried to follow that philosophy now. Also, I should add, there were some truly wild predictions for what Bitcoin's value was going to be by the end of this year before, you know, 
all of 2022 happened. And to be fair, a lot did happen that people just didn't foresee. For example, Russia invading Ukraine. We're going to talk about that in a future episode in this series. But one of the effects that had was a massive economic impact throughout the entire world. Well, no one foresaw that when they were making uh, predictions. And keep in mind, in 2021, Bitcoin really did look like it was going to the moon. Well, one venture capitalist, Tim Draper, famous venture capitalist, previously predicted that Bitcoin was going to reach an astounding $250,000 per coin by the end of this year. A quarter of a million dollars per coin. Now, obviously, that didn't happen. Instead, like I said, Bitcoin's hovering below $17,000 as I record this. But even as late as October of 2022, analysts were guessing that was going to end the year at around $22,000 per coin. Unless we see some pretty dramatic surges in value in the next 10 days or so, that's just not going to happen. Now, I'm not a financial expert, so it's possible it will happen, but I will not be surprised if it's closer to between sixteen dollars to $18,000 per coin. Even if it dropped a little below sixteen, I wouldn't be super surprised. Now, Draper, for what it's worth, says that he now thinks that Bitcoin will hit $250,000. It's just going to take until the middle of next year for that to happen. But then there are also doomsday cults that, when the world continues to exist past its predicted doomsday deadline, they just move the deadline back a bit. This feels kind of similar to that to me. But then again, Draper's a very, very rich man, and I am not. So maybe my doubts are unfounded, and I just can't see the way he can. We'll have to wait until June of next year. I will say there are other investors like Mark Mobius who have had a much more cynical outlook and think that Bitcoin could fall as low as $10,000 a pop by next year. Also, Mark Mobius is a great name. Okay, We've got a lot more to cover about cryptocurrencies in 2022, but before we do that, let's take a quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We're back. Now, some cryptocurrencies are linked to fiat currency or other real-world assets. So the idea is that these coins will maintain a more consistent value because they are tied to things that have other ties that guarantee their consistency. And we call these stable coins. There are other cryptocurrencies that aren't linked to such things, and they aren't linked to each other, at least not directly. However, when one coin, especially a really influential one, starts to go down in value, then you start to see other coins follow suit. This is pretty common. So when Bitcoin goes down, often you'll see other coins that are not directly tied to Bitcoin go down too. Now, maybe investors are getting cold feet and they're losing confidence overall in cryptocurrency. Maybe it's more of a reflection of the overall economy and its movement. It's probably a combination of tons of factors, but it means that 2022 was a year where you'd see various crypto values decrease, though most didn't have nearly as far to fall as Bitcoin did. Let's talk about a coin that made a long-awaited change this year, and I'm talking about Ethereum. Now, Ethereum is one of the more popular and well-known cryptocurrencies that doesn't happen to be Bitcoin. It has always felt a bit more accessible to the common investor. Back in early 2020, while Bitcoins were worth like $7,000 a pop, Ethereum was trading closer to $130. But by the end of 2020, Ethereum was trading at around $600 each. And then in early 2021, it went up twice as high and it just kept on climbing for a good long while. Now, you may have heard that cryptocurrency mining had a really big impact on things like the graphics card market. And that is true. Now, for Bitcoin, the value of the currency had grown so much that someone running even a network of computers with screaming fast graphics cards just would not be able to compete because other miners with deeper pockets had moved on to purpose-built circuits, such as Application-Specific Integrated Circuits, or ASIC. But for cryptocurrencies that weren't up to these astronomic values that Bitcoin was enjoying, miners were relying on computers with just powerful graphics processors because that still made economic sense. And so Ethereum miners were scooping up the best graphics cards really quickly. And then they would either sell older ones uh, or, you know, used ones at really high prices on the secondary market. And gamers were faced with very few options when they were trying to build out their gaming rigs. They couldn't easily get new cards because miners or people who were selling the cards to miners were gobbling them up, or else they would have to pay a ridiculous premium on top of the already high cost of these cards, like sometimes well over twice as much as what they were uh, originally going to be sold at. 
But Ethereum was preparing to switch how it awarded cryptocurrency. So it had been operating on a proof-of-work system, just like Bitcoin, although it it worked much faster than Bitcoin's 10 minutes per block. But it was instead going to make a shift to something called proof-of-stake. So with a proof-of-stake, that's S-T-A-K-E, with that kind of system, Participants have to put up a share of their own cryptocurrency holdings. That is the stake. The system decides which stakeholder gets awarded new units of cryptocurrency at the end of each block's verification. So this system does not require the same massive amounts of computer work that a proof-of-work system requires. And as a consequence, we saw GPUs become more available and less expensive because miners didn't need them anymore. So it took a little bit of time But gradually, things settled down, and a lot of former Ethereum miners also had to figure out if they were going to switch to mining some other proof-of-work cryptocurrency, potentially at a much lower value, which could mean that your costs eat into any profits you make, or if they were just going to sell off their old gear. So a lot of them chose to sell stuff off. Now, if you are in the market for a GPU, personally, I would recommend against buying a used mining rig. Uh, You might get a top card from the previous generation of cards, like the 3080 generation, but it will have been used hard. And these cards can and do burn out over time. Plus, they have moving parts. Like a lot of these cards have their own cooling fans built into them, and those are also going to get worn down. So personally, I would suggest you don't go for a used GPU, especially if you know it was used in a mining rig because you probably want a card that's going to last you for a good long while, and those just aren't guaranteed to do that. Anyway, the proof-of-stake branch of Ethereum actually launched a couple of years ago, but it was kind of almost like in a beta program, and it wasn't until this September, September 2022, that the proof-of-work branch of Ethereum would merge with the proof-of-stake branch, and the whole thing would become proof-of-stake. So again, this event is called The Merge, capital M. So the GPU stuff is fairly recent news. It's been pretty recent that you could actually get hold of GPUs and pretty much at the manufactured suggested retail price, which is a nice change of pace. Now, at its peak... Ethereum was worth more than $4,600 a coin. Now, that was in November of 2021. Today, Ethereum's value is closer to $1,200 per coin. So it's still nearly 10 times more valuable than it was at the beginning of 2020. So I don't want to make it sound like Ethereum is like crashing and burning. It's still way better than it was just two years ago. But like Bitcoin and so many other cryptocurrencies, it has lost a ton of value over the last year. And again, that loss of value is a very complex issue. It is tempting for me to say that people are generally losing faith in cryptocurrency. And since the currency depends largely upon people believing and then behaving as if it in fact has value, well, if they stop believing, the value goes away. But honestly, that's just not true, or at least it's not the whole truth. Yes, many cryptocurrencies are based on little more than how investors and miners and participants are treating it. But external economic factors are also at play, and ignoring that just means you're being dishonest. Now, I think we started to get a feel for how rough 2022 was really going to be for cryptocurrencies 
back in mid-spring of this year. One early indication that things were headed south was the collapse of a crypto firm called Three Arrows Capital. So this company was based out of Singapore, at least until very recently when it moved to Dubai before it imploded. And Three Arrows Capital, aka 3AC, was a hedge fund specializing in investment in cryptocurrencies. And it had been around for a decade. So this was not some brand new company. It had, you know, been around for 10 years. But by the spring of 2022, the company had a billion dollars in assets. That's impressive. But it also had more than $3 billion in debts. Uh Uh-oh. Now, as cryptocurrencies began to decline in value, 3AC was starting to feel the pinch. But that pinch became crushing when a couple of crypto coins collapsed. Those coins were Terra USD, that's T E R R A, so Terra USD, which was shortened to just UST as its acronym or initialism. And then there was Luna, and both of these called the Terra blockchain their home. So Terra USD was supposed to be a stable coin tied to the US dollar through a very complicated relationship with Luna. But in May 2022, that complicated relationship unraveled rapidly. And so the UST coin became unpegged to the US dollar. It no longer was tied to the dollar's value and its value collapsed to just 10 cents per coin. The value of Luna dropped to almost nothing. We're talking fractions of a penny, like 0.0000 some cents. Well, Three Arrow Capital had unfortunately invested very heavily in Luna. So when suddenly all that value just went away, it tore the foundations out from underneath 3AC. The company spiraled into bankruptcy. The collapse of UST and Luna wiped out more than $40 billion in investor wealth. I think I've seen estimates between $42 and $45 billion. And when your estimates have a range of $3 billion, things are bad. Now, it also teed off another stablecoin going into uh, a crisis. That one was DEI. That briefly got unpegged from the US dollar as well and plunged in value by 30%, which really made things worse. And you can look at the UST and Luna collapses as kind of the first domino to set off a chain reaction in the crypto world in general. It caused 3AC to implode, and 3AC happened to owe a lot of money to a crypto lending company called Voyager Digital, based off New Jersey. So 3AC was taking loans from Voyager Digital in order to fund its various investments. So when all of that collapsed, Voyager Digital was left holding the bag. So when 3AC went under, it could not pay the money it owed to Voyager Digital and it defaulted on the loan. And Voyager Digital in turn was overextended. So it also began to spiral into bankruptcy. Now the hope for Voyager was to get through bankruptcy, to manage its debts and its creditors, and to eventually get thrown a lifeline by a different crypto company. That company was, drumroll please, FTX. We will talk about FTX more in a bit in this episode. So the UST and Luna collapse also undermined another crypto firm, uh, another crypto lender, in fact, called Celsius Network. The company also entered into bankruptcy in July of 2022. The bankruptcy courts 
were really busy with cryptocurrency in July of this past year. So in that bankruptcy process, there were some questions that were popping up about how Celsius had been run as a company. In fact, we're seeing lots of questions about lots of crypto firms because it turns out many of them were run at least incompetently, if not outright unethically or badly. So with Celsius, there have been allegations of fraud. There have been some issues about how some customers may have received preferential treatment over others. And the judge overseeing the bankruptcy case has had concerns and so assigned an examiner to look into Celsius's operations. Uh, There was even a fear that the company was essentially operating as a Ponzi scheme. Or as my colleague Chuck Bryant would say, it's a Ponzi scheme. Well, in case you're not familiar with the term Ponzi scheme, uh, it's an unfortunately common scam in which someone running a supposed business first gets a group of investors to pour money into whatever the venture is. And the nature of the venture doesn't really matter. It's just smokescreen. So they get a first round of investments from people who think, you know, oh, this sounds like a good idea, or I believe in this person or whatever. So they put their money into it. Then the scam artist starts looking for a second round of investors and convinces them to put money into the the venture, the supposed company. Then they use some of the money that's coming from the second round of investors to pay out some returns to the first round of investors. So the first round of investors are given the implication that they are getting money on top of the investment they have made. So a lot of them will end up reinvesting into the company because they're like, oh, wow, it's working. I'm making money. I'm going to put the money I made back into the company. I'm going to make even more money. So the scheme perpetuates. And the scam artist continues to try and get round after round of investment and then using the incoming money to give little payments out to the earlier investors in order to keep the scheme going. But the venture itself isn't actually generating revenue. It's not necessarily doing anything other than let the con artists run around and make money off of other people, like getting rich off other people's money. The scheme is also not sustainable. It will ultimately get to a point where you cannot get enough investments frequently enough to pay out returns to earlier investors and the whole thing will come crashing down. Anyways, generally not good news if a judge suspects that your crypto firm was little more than a Ponzi scheme. The Celsius Network, for its part, has said it welcomes third-party investigations, which is a good thing because it currently has a whole bunch of them from the bankruptcy court and securities regulators and, of course, its creditors. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we will tackle the elephant in the crypto room, FTX. But first, let's take this break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. 
Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, FTX. I have covered this several times recently, but, you know, then we're looking back on the year and this was a big story. So I also say this every single time I cover this in case you haven't picked up on it. The crypto world in general loves acronyms and initialisms. This is like extra true for the FTX story, but the short version of the story is that FTX, which is a crypto or was a cryptocurrency exchange, imploded in November of this year, and the ripples from that event are playing out across the cryptocurrency space, including the aforementioned Voyager digital lender, because the plan initially was for FTX to bail that company out. But we're going to dive into a tiny bit more detail to understand exactly what happened with this company. Okay, so the main person involved in this story is a guy named Sam Bankman-Fried, whom the crypto world often refers to as SBF. But I'm going to call him Sam, because otherwise, as we go on with the story, it's going to start to sound like I'm intoxicated and trying to say the alphabet, and I'm just getting it all wrong. So a few years back, Sam co-founds an investment company called Alameda Research, And this company, like 3AC, made its business in investing in various cryptocurrencies. So this company operates for a couple of years. And then Sam co-founds another company. This one is called FTX, and it is a cryptocurrency exchange. Now, an exchange is a business that exchanges currencies for other currencies. If you've ever traveled internationally, you may have used a traditional exchange where you convert some of your currency for whatever the local currency is. So, for example, if you're from America and you go to the UK, you might visit an exchange to change out your US dollars for British pounds. Or if you're an American and you go to Canada, you might exchange dollars for poutine. If you were to come to my home state of Georgia, our currency is Coca-Cola. And let me tell you, it is very hard to hold on to your money when you got a pocket full of loose Coca-Cola. Jokes aside, 
Currency exchanges make their money by taking a little transaction fee, or sometimes a not-so-little transaction fee, every time they're changing one form of currency into another for a customer. The FTX exchange also minted its own cryptocurrency called FTT. So if you wanted to, you could exchange your dollars or your Bitcoin or your Ethereum or whatever into FTT. In addition, customers could store their wealth in FTX itself. Now, a lot of folks will tell you that the best thing to do with cryptocurrencies is not get involved. Uh, But for those who are not skeptics like myself, then they might say the best thing to do is to store your cryptocurrency in a digital wallet that's living on a machine that you have in your physical possession, that you store it on a device that you own. Now, the danger of that is if anything happens to that machine, then your money is gone. It's kind of like a physical wallet in that respect. If you drop your wallet, chances are your money is a goner, except for that one time where I did drop my wallet while I was walking to work, and a very nice person found the wallet and drove all the way to my house and returned my wallet to my wife, and that person is a saint. I, I don't know how many people like that are in the world, but I'm hoping that we see more of them because that's inspiring. Anyway, some companies offer a kind of cloud-based wallet. So instead of keeping your money on a physical machine that's in your possession, your money lives in an account with whatever crypto company this happens to be. So FTX had these accounts and a lot of customers had wealth stored in FTX's coffers. Now, so far, there's not really a problem with any of this. Meanwhile, Sam gets a reputation for being kind of a a philanthropic super bro in the world of crypto. He donates to charities. He supports progressive political candidates. He helps bail out other crypto companies that are in trouble. He acts as a representative to talk with regulators about ways to responsibly regulate cryptocurrency. Over time, FTX establishes its headquarters in the Bahamas, which is not unusual. A lot of crypto companies look to establish themselves in places that have less regulatory oversight than, say, places like the United States. FTX grows to become the second largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world. The largest one is a company called Binance, and it had been an early investor in FTX. But FTX had subsequently bought out Binance's investment with the aforementioned FTT cryptocurrency. So they're like... Here's this currency we made. We're paying you back. Thanks for the early investment. So Binance at the time was holding thousands and thousands of FTT coins. So that represented a ton of wealth. And now our stage is set. So in November, a cryptocurrency journal called Coindesk published an article that included a leaked balance sheet that showed Alameda Research, Sam's crypto investment company, had a very large source of FTT tokens coming in to help cover investments. And apparently what was happening was it was funneling FTT tokens from FTX. So the implication was that Alameda Research was quote-unquote borrowing money from FTX, but FTX was not informing its customers, its investors, that this was happening. So this meant that FTX potentially would not have the money on hand to pay out someone if they wanted to withdraw all of their money that had been stored 
in FTX. That's a big no-no. It's the kind of thing that can lead to a run on the bank. And if the bank cannot cover all the cash, things get real ugly real fast. So Sam seemed to be robbing Peter to pay Paul. He was taking customer money from FTX and using it to cover investments at Alameda. And while I'm saying Sam, really I mean FTX. And you know, Sam is not the only person involved in this. There's a whole group of people who were in charge of running FTX. Sam himself has argued multiple times that he was not aware of a lot of this. I don't know how true that is, but I'm using Sam kind of as a uh, representative of the company as a whole. Now, I'm sure that the hope was that the investments that Alameda Research was making would end up paying off big time and that Alameda would thus be able to pay back FTX all that money it had borrowed and then make profit off of the rest. But things unraveled pretty quickly after this leaked balance sheet made the news. So in the wake of the report, Binance CEO Chong Peng Zhao, aka CZ, because again, initialisms, he announced that Binance was going to sell off its massive vault of FTT coins. So remember, it held those FTT coins because FTX had paid back Binance for its initial investment. Well, I'm sure you realize that if a market is suddenly flooded with any asset, the value of that asset will go into decline. It's you know, supply and, and demand, right? Like if suddenly there's way more supply than there is demand, then the value of that supply goes down. So now you had all these FTX customers who were worried that their coins were going to be worthless, or at least worth less than they had been. And so there was effectively a run on the bank and FTX unable to cover this contingency due to, you know, sending way too much money over to Alameda Research, which is what caused all this in the first place, went into free fall. Now, arguably, the killing blow for FTX came when CZ said that Binance would bail out the company and then one day later backed out of that deal. Now, to be clear, there was nothing binding about that deal in the first place. So it's not like they did something illegal. But with no rescuer on the horizon, FTX spiraled and crashed. Sam got the boot as CEO, and the company brought in John J. Ray III to essentially oversee the dismantling and liquidation of FTX. Ray had previously overseen similar duties when he was called in to get as much value out of the company Enron in the wake of its bankruptcy. That's a heck of a story on its own, right? So literally his job is to wring as much out of this collapsed company as he possibly can in order to return money to creditors and then investors, as much of it as he can manage anyway. Sam, meanwhile, remained in the Bahamas, occasionally giving remote interviews where he said that there was no intent to cause harm, that he didn't know anything about any alleged wrongdoing, and even if he did know, he didn't mean it, and so on. Uh, there were allegations that hundreds of millions of dollars had mysteriously vanished out of FTX's coffers immediately in the wake of the collapse, and there were a lot of uh, uh, theories online that perhaps Sam or one of his close friends had been behind all that. There were others that were saying maybe it was a hacker. There were a lot of questions. Uh, over time, folks started looking at what Sam was saying and they got all Shakespearean. You know, they said, the crypto bro doth protest too much, methinks. 
And last week, Bahamanian police arrested Sam on behalf of the United States, which has now charged Sam with multiple counts, including money laundering and securities fraud, among some others. And as I record these episodes, the word is that Sam is preparing to be extradited to the United States in order to stand trial. He was also supposed to appear before the U.S. Senate to answer questions about the failure of FTX, but declined that invitation just before he got scooped up by the popo. Meanwhile, Binance is also the subject of multiple investigations. So remember, Binance is the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world. It is also under a lot of scrutiny. The company has been accused of processing $10 billion worth of illegal transactions just this year, including stuff like money laundering. So in the wake of so many cryptocurrency companies collapsing, there is an understandable concern that the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange could suffer the same fate, ultimately. Now, CZ has tried to reassure investors, customers, you know, regulators, that there's nothing really to worry about, and that Binance even commissioned a third party to review Binance's reserves to show that the exchange has a one-to-one reserve representing all customer investments in the exchange. In other words, if every single customer wanted to withdraw their money from Binance, Binance would be able to cover it. Except the report did not say that. Uh, In fact, it showed that Binance's reserves fall a little short of covering the wealth invested in it. Not a lot short, not like FTX, but it's a little short. Probably because Binance also issues loans. So some of Binance's money is actually out in circulation in customer hands and presumably will ultimately return to Binance as these customers pay it back with interest in the future. But even before all these crypto failures, regulators around the world were already starting to scrutinize cryptocurrency more intensely. In the wake of collapse after collapse, there is a new sense of urgency around the world, particularly as folks like John J. Ray III proclaimed that FTX experienced a, quote, complete failure of corporate controls, end quote, suggesting that these crypto companies are operating like fly-by-night shady organizations that also happen to have access to hundreds of millions of dollars worth of customer funds. There's a general perception that crypto is going to have to adjust to a world of increased regulation in the not-too-distant future. Maybe next Sunday AD. So that's a summary of some of the big stories that happened in crypto this year. Now, I did mention NFTs and Web3 as well, so I should give a super quick update on those ideas. So NFTs or non-fungible tokens represent some sort of unique asset, a digital asset typically. And I've often equated NFTs as being kind of like a receipt for something, usually something digital. So it's not the thing itself, it's representation of ownership of that thing. So in January of 2022, NFTs were trading at a peak. The value of those trades was around $17 billion. But over the course of 2022, trading dropped precipitously and then absolutely plummeted. It's down 97% from the beginning of the year, according to Bloomberg. And that $17 billion of value is down to $466 million. That's still a lot, but it's nothing close to what it was at the beginning of the year. A lot of folks 
became disenchanted with NFTs fairly early in 2022, and it didn't help that there were plenty of opportunists who were running NFT scams. They were taking the money and running. That really damaged the image of NFTs overall. Like, they were already overvalued, in my opinion. But the scams definitely kind of showed the ugly side of this this world. And it was exacerbated by campaigns that hired influencers to hype up NFTs, some of which ended up being cash grabs and total scams. So even Justin Bieber hyped up an NFT without first disclosing that he actually had some ownership interest in the venture itself. So if you can't trust Justin Bieber, who can you trust? Baby, baby, baby. So NFTs have a damaged reputation at this point, as does crypto in general. And that brings us to Web3. So Web3 is a really hazy, ill-defined concept. Generally speaking, Web3 proponents say the future web is going to be built on top of blockchain and that it's going to be a decentralized approach to the web. It'll free us from the current anchors holding down the web. These massive companies like Google and Amazon and Meta Except that in reality, such a web would still be centralized because it would really fall into the hands of whatever powerful entities had invested in those blockchains. So at best, you're really talking about a poorly defined infrastructure that has just switched out the names of who is the most influential, right? Like the names have changed, but the the situation is still the same. Also, I should point out, the original concept of the internet was decentralized. It is a network of networks. That doesn't have centralized power associated with it. Like, they're trying to solve a problem that was solved just by the invention of the internet. It's not really the internet's fault that there were these massive companies that managed to consolidate power over the time that the internet's been in action. So, yeah, uh, it's it's taking a hammer to a problem that needs a screwdriver, in my opinion. Anyway, toward the end of 2021 and into the beginning of 2022, there was this ton of hype around Web3. But since those ideas of Web3 are also tightly connected to other blockchain concepts like cryptocurrency and NFTs, and because of the dramatic failure of those things, Web3 hype meisters have really suffered some major setbacks in the back half of 2022. Now, I'm not ready to say Web3 is dead in the water, but I will say it's going to have to swim awful hard to avoid the riptide that's pulling at its feet, you know, to torture a metaphor. Okay, that's it for this episode of Looking Back on the Big Tech Stories of 2022, the Cryptocurrency Edition. We will continue this tomorrow with other news stories, so stay tuned for that. we got a lot more to cover before we finish out, and I am honestly really looking forward to 2023 and seeing what that brings. I don't know that it's going to be better. I'm not being that optimistic, but uh, I'm certainly curious, and I'm hopeful. I would love to see things start to improve and have us learn lessons from the catastrophic failures that we've seen this past year. Uh, Remember, failure is an opportunity to learn, but we have to take the opportunity for it to work. That's it. Hope you are all doing well. Hope you are happy and healthy during this holiday season. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.